Bump and Run with Bernie and Dalby. Presented by Burrito Express, your local burrito joint. Now, here's Brett Bernheisel and Steve Dalby. All right, well, here we are. We took a week off. Um, we are busy. And I went to Vegas. And in honor of me going to Vegas, this is what I came back with. A quarter. This is show 25. This is what I've got remaining from... My, I have a few more quarters, but not many. Um, but this is show 25, Dalby. Dalby, how was uh, how was the Players' Championship? It looked like the weather was a lot of fun to be be with. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fine on Tuesday, and it was nice on Wednesday morning when we played, well, we, Troy, played nine holes. Uh, he played, well, what did he do? He played nine, nine, he played the front nine on Tuesday, the back nine on Wednesday. Um on Wednesday is when the caddies hit on the 17th hole. So um, he played Wednesday with uh, with Robert Streb, who's his, his best friend out there on tour. And then um, Streb likes Peter Malnati. And so we okay. strolled out to the we strolled out to the 10th tee thinking it was three and um, got in line. I think we were second or third group in line. And there was one guy that was just kind of standing there by himself waiting. And, and they asked if he wanted to play along. And it was Paul Casey. And so, uh, so they had, it was Paul Casey and, um, Peter against Strab and Troy. And after seven holes, I think it was, yeah, after seven holes, uh, Paul was asking, uh, Troy what his Venmo was because, uh, he was depositing a hundred dollars in his account. And then the funny thing, Bernie, the funny thing was, um, after 18, um, Casey said, Hey, Peter, I'm sorry, I wasn't much help at all. Um, and and Peter's the nicest guy, and he's like, no, nah, it's no problem. And Casey, and without being cocky, he said, you know, I'm I'm generally better Thursday to Sunday than I am on Wednesdays. And uh, this tournament obviously didn't didn't finish yesterday, but uh, he proved himself right that uh, once the once the bell rang, except for his first hole, triple bogey on his first oh. hole of the tournament, um, Paul Casey had a nice uh, a nice event. Yeah, he did. Um, so talk about like, and not so much the practice rounds, and we'll talk about the tournament, but I kind of want to get like, what is a tour player, so you can explain to the listeners, what what happens when the weather becomes shitty and, you know, some somebody, some players that even take a shot, you know, the second day, what is the, what is the mindset and, and how do you, how do you prepare yourself for what is going to transpire in the next three or four days? Well, and I think on, on Wednesday, on Wednesday, everybody knew weather was coming and it was just a matter of how much golf was going to be played on Thursday. And then the thought was that there was going to be golf on Thursday, um, there'd be a delay, and then hopefully everybody was going to have a chance to get out there. That was kind of the, the thought. As it turned out, um, on Thursday, you know, it was more... Ah, that early wave, I don't know, they got in nine to nine to thirteen holes, maybe, and then they then they you know, then they they blew the whistle and and uh, and everybody was on hold and um, then they were talking about, you know, getting things started. It just never really happened. and then, um, yeah, it was Thursday. I'm trying to get my days right because it just went How so long that uh, 
did the late wave even get out on Thursday or not? Late wave got out Thursday. Yeah, so the so some of the late wave I think started on Thursday late, but Troy was one of the last two times. He was second to last and um as we looked at the clock, it looked to me like he was going to be I think he was listed at 6:40. Sundown was 6.30, and he had said, well, at least we'll go out there and practice or whatever. And the tour called him and said, if you're, you're not going to get to hit a tee shot today. Uh, you won't play any golf, so there's no reason to come out. And so um, so that was, that was that. That was Thursday. So that was just a lot of sitting around. And then, um, you know, Friday, uh, did he play golf on Friday? So you don't yeah. even know when you were there. And so from like, yeah, from like, I was there. I mean, it was just so, you know, the, the hard part is this is there's so much sitting around and you know, you're, you're just sitting in your hotel room. I was, I was, you know, there, I was about a half an hour away. So they're just, they, you know, everything just kind of runs together and you're looking at the weather report and then you start thinking, okay, which wave has it better? And, and, and you know, on Wednesday, we actually thought that late early would be the good wave kind of looking at things but then thursday morning was perfect there was no wind nothing it was great to play um they got to play with no wind then um the late wave you know battled rain and then battled once the rain stopped it was just wind and um you know and then you have to come back and then you you, you know it was just it was just crazy and so to to have a, a cut to have a cut not happen until sunday i guess you could say midday um yeah. is is quite the deal and and you know after the the early wave finished their finally finished their first round the cut was, if you looked at it, and it's only half of the field, but it was one under par. And then as that late wave, which I think through the cut was three shots worse um, to have that luck, the cut went as they played to from one under to one over. And then at the at the end of the second round, and it was kind of sad to see Scott Piercy um oh. made a mess on 17 and 18 and then the cut went to uh went to two real late it was he and malnati kind of had control of the cut and um I, you know you never i mean 17 is just a hole where crazy stuff happens and guys make seven on a par three and then that's what he did and he, you know he goes from two under to two over and then um and then makes bogey on 18 to miss the cut so it was that was kind of that was kind of hard to watch um but uh you know and then it was still you know guys had to get up early um Troy had to get up early yesterday on Sunday to finish his second round and he had three holes to go um 37 degrees and and he's he's at he's at what three over par with three holes to go 16 17 and 18 so you kind of were kind of thinking maybe the cut would be two but maybe you better get to one and sure enough he hits three wood in there um on 16 to like seven feet and makes eagle then he birdies um birdie 17 and then made a bogey on on 18 a lot of people made bogey on 18 so um you know he made the cut which was nice because he came out of that wave that was just uh it was just it was 
you can't say it was unfair because, you know, you're going to get the bad wave. You're going to get the good wave. It, it, it tends to work out through a season. But, man, for a, a wave to be three shots different in two rounds, that's a that's a pretty hard disadvantage. Do you, What do you think of 17? I, I, to me, you know, watching – I don't even – you know, I mean, Kepka made it look, you know, stupid. But, I mean, is that hole even a fair enough hole to play in – 20 to 30 mile an hour wins. I mean, I, I know, I know it's a, you know, the, from a fan's perspective, you know, oh, this is great. You know, let it rain, let it blow, let him hit it in the water, you know, let him, let him hit a patent desire, you know, to the Island with a hosel rocket. But I mean, from a player's perspective, for coach's perspective, what, what do you think of that hole? And is it maybe too unfair when the wind is blowing that hard? I, I think that that 16, 17 and 18, that's all about drama. You know, that's what Pete Dye intended. He intended for things to happen. He intended for 16 to be a hole that if you hit a good drive, you can make eagle. Um, 17 is a, is a hole where if you hit a good shot, you can make two, but you can also make seven. And um, I think, you know, there were guys today that, that made a mess of 17, but it wasn't very windy. They were flag hunting those guys. Um, that that hit it in the water. Um, you know, that that pin with that back right pin is only maybe three off the edge of the grain, maybe four. So you know, just a slight push, and you're in the water. But I think if you with no wind, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty stock shot. You, you throw in the 20 mile an hour wind, like you said, Bernie, and gusts of you know. I think when when Kepka hit it, the, you know, there was just gusting um, all over the place, and so. Um, is it unfair? I don't think it's unfair. I think it's just what it's all about. And, and I mean, you can get lucky and you can get unlucky. And, and you know, maybe when Kepka's group was up there, it was at its worst. Um, you know, Troy, Troy uh, yesterday morning when he played when it was so cold, it was one, I think it was 132 to the pin. Yeah. And yeah. I, 35, think he I think said he hit a little, yeah. I think he said he hit a little eight iron. And hit an eight iron because he needed he's trying to make birdie so it was a back pin so he had eight iron which would normally be a 165 club um you know he might have taken a little bit off but he was trying to make sure he got it back there in the cold and, and into a little bit of a breeze so um you know that's that's just that's just what happens but i think that it's 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 fine it's a good hole it's it's like i i think the 17th hole at at, at tpc Scottsdale. I, you know, I don't love that green at all. I think the green's kind of silly, but I think for, uh, for drama, um, you know, it's, it's fine. And, um, you know, and that's what in some ways PGA tour golf is, is entertainment. So, uh, I think people got their fill of entertainment this week once they got to watch golf and, and not raindrops. You know, I mean, Paul Hazinger is a tough watch. I mean, I know you were at the tournament and you'd probably didn't get to see a lot of television coverage and i know your wife you once said on this program that your wife said she wants you to mute azinger when he's on and i agree i mean him and dan hicks they were all over each other as far as like talking and every every commentator whole whether it's fairy or whatever always has to get azinger's opinion before the shots being hit and i think there's a point to where that's a little bit too much um Coke, Gary, or Azinger said, oh, it's the second ball in the water on 17 today. And 
Gary Koch has to go out and correct him and say, no, Paul, you're wrong. It's the 12th shot that's hit in the water today. And then you think to yourself, what is this guy even watching? You know, how could you only, so things like that. It's, it was a very, it's, Azinger to me is getting hard to watch. And I know back in the day when we were on the radio, I wasn't a big fan of him then. But then when he went to NBC, I thought he became better. Um, and now I'm back to where we were four or five years ago that I just can't, I can't stand watching him. Um, did you get a chance? What do you think of Azinger, I guess, before we move on? Well, so I, I watched a lot today and I, and I didn't watch much because uh, the hotel that I was at did not have the golf channel, which, you know, was probably okay. Um, I, I've never, I just don't think he does a very good job. I think people, for, some, some people really like him, um, you know, but he, he to me, he kind of tries to be this good old boy humor, and I just don't—I don't see it. And 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 like you said, Bernie, I don't know that he's always correct. Um, you know, you can you can like or dislike Brandel Chambly, but he brings with him factual inter in information that he studies. And and and, and if, you know, if he talks about a golf swing, he knows a lot about the golf swing. And so in that in that respect, whether you like him or you don't like him, at least you know the guy's done his homework. And and, and I just don't see it with, with Azinger. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. Um, <clears throat> let's let's go to the 18th hole. Let's, well, let's go to 17. Cam, there's no way Cam Smith purposely hit that ball right at the flag, correct? I mean, that was a, that was a seven, eight yard push, right? Um, I will look where he was aimed. It looked to me like he was aimed. He was taking it on. Uh, I think you're right. I think he was prob probably trying to hit it two, three yards left of the hole and then have it take that slope. Um, but uh, yeah, it probably was a push. Um, but it was a hell of a time to, you know, to do that. And it, it, it you know, reminded me of Ricky Fowler a few years ago doing the same thing and, and kind of taking control of the, the golf tournament. The thing that was so impressive with, with, with Cameron Smith today, other than the mustache and the hair, um, you know, he made, he made four bogeys today and still won the golf tournament. He made 10 birdies. Um, he gained... You know, I, we talk about strokes gained and, 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 you know, you have your ball striking, strokes gained, you have your short game. He gained today over four shots just in putting. And that's an enormous amount of strokes gained putting because with soft greens, medium speed greens, everybody was making a lot of putts out there. So for him to be four shots better on the greens than guys that are already making more putts than normal that was incredible and 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 you know it just was it was just we talk about a lot these guys just they have days where you just can see that it's their day and you know it didn't look like it was going to be his day when he hit that snap hook that only went i mean it went 150 yards or so on 16 Ooh. that thing Ooh. left um, you, you know, that was, that was bad, but to, you know, hack it out there and, and do what he did and, 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 you know, uh, get himself still in a position to go to 17 without doing any damage. And then you look at Paul Casey, who hits a perfect drive down the middle of the fairway on 16 and the ball rolls into a pitch mark, which wasn't his pitch mark. 
So he had to hit it out of the pitch mark. Um, you, you just there's there's certain things in golf where you just kind of think, damn, it's his day, and it was it was his day to to, to win three point six million dollars on a twenty million dollar purse, five million dollars more than last year. So you know we talk about the PGA Tour and what they're doing um, to maybe fight off this Saudi Arabia tour and some of the other world tours. Well, you know, adding 5 million to this purse probably is a good way to, to keep some guys interested in staying here. How the hell did Cam Smith's caddy let him hit driver on 18? Just, 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 and somehow just tell me this. He's hit three drives prior to this on 18 this week. One went in the right trees and two went in the water. You have a three-shot lead. He knows he has a three-shot lead. Even if Lahari makes birdie on seventeen, which he did, you're still up two. Okay, what's? Why are we hitting driver? Why are we? Why are we putting all the the the, the bad demons in his head? And, and it goes back to the stupid thing that Azinger said. Well, you know he's got to be thinking about the snap hook he hit on sixteen. No, I don't think he was thinking about hitting the snap hook on sixteen. But my question is, why is he hitting driver? Why hasn't his caddy told him? Listen, this is where we're at because. You know, he got up and down from 57 or 58 yards on 18. What a great fourth shot it was. But disaster was right in front of them. I mean, this was this was Adam Scott all over again, you know, 15 years ago or whatever with, with a with a tournament in hand to, to, to risk something so stupid when he could hit four iron, four iron to the front edge of the green, make no worse than five, no worse. But now he brings six into the equation with the drive and then the pitch the, the chip out i mean i was i was holding my breath and then it went in the water and i'm thinking oh my god he's he's actually going to lose this tournament well and and that is the the interesting thing that you, that you say because we watched keegan bradley about 20 minutes before that do the same thing tip you know he hit it out on the right right rough and then he tried to chip it out and he hit it in the water and you know it it per he wasn't going to win the tournament, uh, but but it was it was eerily similar to what we were seeing, and um, I don't know, you know, as a caddy in that no situation, the, you know, did his did his caddy? Do you think his caddy choked? Yes, a hundred percent. And I wasn't going to use that word, but you're a hundred percent right because. I think the momentum that Smith had after making birdie on 17, I think in this caddy's mind, I don't know his name. Um, I, I think in his mind, he's like, okay, he's probably already went through every scenario possible of what Smith might ask him, might not say to him or whatever, knowing, you know, in his heart, maybe in his gut or whatever, that it's, it's an iron or a five wood or whatever off the last tee. But when Smith grabs a driver, I think he choked because I I think it was to the point where I can't I can't take him off this shot because if something goes bad hitting the layup club that I want him to hit now the responsibility is falling on me so he I think either mm -hmm. choked or he gave up yeah and just and may and you may be right may and, and maybe it's not a choke maybe it's just a okay. I'm in a position where I can't say anything because I don't want it on me and I'm going to let him do my, do his thing. And that's the, that might be the difference though, between, and I don't, I don't know his caddy, but that might be the difference between Cam Smith's caddy 
and Bones or Steve Williams, um, those guys that might get in there and say, hey, how are we going to do this? And, 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 and bring out some different options and then let the player hit it. Because you would think, like you said, something down the, down the right side of the fairway that's short, then something that's just out in front of the green and then chip and putt would probably be the right, the, I don't know, the, uh, maybe not the right play, but a play. But I think there were two mistakes. One, obviously hitting driver and you put yourself in a bad position, but then the chip out was, was you know, that was awful to, yeah. you know, you're trying to hit a ball 20 yards and you hit it 80 into the water, um, you know, and then, and then, you know, he is a great wedge player and this is why everybody should work on their wedge game. Because like you said, if he had 57 yards, I don't know exactly what he had, but yeah. he hit it in there and, and taps it in and, and he's the champion. Uh, but he did, he did give, he did give Lahiri a chance. However, I would have rather that chance have been, okay, I'm going to give him a chance, but I'm going to give, I'm going to, I'm going to, hit it in the fairway, I'm going to knock it up there and do it that way and maybe give him a chance and still give myself a chance to make par and just be done with it as opposed to I'm going to, you know, hit driver this way because it's not going in the water. So it's going to be going, you know, it's going to be heading. He's His target has got to be with that driver. It's got to be kind of right center. So anything that's pushed slightly is going to be too far. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think they, they really brought, they brought trouble into play and in some ways they're, they're lucky to escape with bogey and a, and a win. You know, and, and my comments and my theory is, I mean, I wasn't there. So, I mean, I was just as a casual fan, well, I wasn't really casual, but as a fan of, of, of uh, when he pulled, when he, when he pulled the, the, the metal out of his bag, I thought it was three metal or five metal. I didn't think there was any way it was going to be driver. And like I said, I wasn't there. So I don't know if, if Smith said to him, we're hitting driver. Don't try to talk me out of this. You know, no matter what you're, I'm hitting driver. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, so we don't know that conversation, but I was just completely shocked. And then, you know, he, he hit it. So he hit it right. And he actually got a break that it ended up where it ended up. Cause it could have even been farther right of that. Then who knows? Maybe he maybe makes the same score. I don't know. But yeah, he brought complete disaster into that. But the, the funny thing, well, not really funny, but the thing I, I noticed is when he hit it in the water, and this leads me to my next thing here. When he hit it in the water, he was so concerned about where exactly it went in that he wanted to make sure he did things right, which was the correct thing to do. Because, you know, mm -hmm. if he takes a bad drop there or it's five yards too far or five, whatever it might be, he's going to get some criticism which led to a discussion today on the 16th hole in a group that featured Joel Damon, Daniel Berger, and Victor Hovland. And if you didn't get a chance to see it, it's all over social media, that Daniel Berger hit his second shot into the water right on 16. Now, you and I have both watched this video. You, you and I both have different answers to what really happened. But the whole thing was that Daniel Berger was now going up to where he thought his ball had crossed the red line into the water to where, in your opinion, in my opinion, are different on this. I thought Joel Damon started this. You think it was Victor Hovland. They both end up agreeing that where Daniel Berger was going to take his drop 
was completely out of line and complete, way too far. Now, Damon didn't think it crossed any part of the water. Hovland thought it might have crossed 60 or 70 yards back. This ended up becoming a almost a five-minute ordeal. Now a rules official has come into play on this. And I talked to my father about this specific deal to ask you know, what he thought about this. Now, Berger finally gave in to hitting it, you know, ha- whatever those two guys they came up with. But he kept, was very adamant about saying, I'll hit it here because these guys think it went in here, but this is a bad drop. This is a bad drop. I saw my line. I saw where it went in. I know it's up there. Where then Joel Damon is like, listen, I was five yards to the right of you. There's no way this ball even crossed. Then Hovland's like, I'm very skeptical about where you're going to drop this ball. And the rules official had to come in. So what my father, who has been a rules official for the PGA of America, PGA Tour, whatever, for many, many years, said, if it was a one-on-one deal, let's say it was a Berger and Damon playing in a twosome, and Berger said it went in there, and Damon said it went in there, it was a one-on-one deal, the player's going to win, the, the player that hit the shot is going to win that argument. But in this situation, since Hovland and Damon, two people, against what Berger said, so it's two-on-one, the more evidence and more more information you have, then the two-on-one wins that particular argument. Now, I know that Damon had an issue a few years ago with a, with a Korean player. I don't remember the guy's name. Sung Kang. But it, um, Sung, Sung Kang. Yeah, Sung you're Kang. right. That's who it is. They almost, yeah. they, it was almost got into a very... Maybe oh, no, that one was verbal, phys- physical deal. It was, very, it was very heated, and I don't think, and I may be wrong, I don't know that Joel Damon signed his card. I don't think Joel Damon signed his card that day. I think a rules official had to sign his card because Damon said, I'm not signing it, because he was so convinced that the drop was so bad that he, he wouldn't do it. And and that's that's an interesting situation where – you know, you do a, this. You have a player's scorecard, and one of the things you do is once you figure it out, you sign it, and then you give it to the player, and then the player attests it, and that's now it's official. Well, what if somebody doesn't sign it? It's and I think that's I think that's what happened um, in that case. But um, in this case. What did your dad think about the rules official saying, well, let's come up with a compromise? And uh, so for the for people that didn't see this part, it wasn't so much a compromise, but he also said, yeah, he said compromise. Let's get a ball in play and get this thing moving, which, you know, he was trying to say, we've been out here long enough. Let's come up with an answer. Because yeah. in that situation, the rules of the rules official can't can't tell. He's not, he's not going to be like, okay, I believe these guys. You're going to drop it here. Let's move on because it goes back to what my father said. It's a two, two people saw this way. One, one person saw it this way. So the two, the two, the two people are going to win over the one. But he, he, didn't, he didn't necessarily agreed with the rules official. He thought the rules official took way too long to get out there to fix this issue. I thought that the rules official was failed on that situation in that I didn't like that he even used the word compromise. And then if he was trying to hurry him up, I also don't like that because let's get this thing right. And there have been times, there have been times where 
a player will look in the camera, you know, they get cameras all over the place and they can send the replay back and they could have had all everybody take a look and, and try to come up with something because the, the, the fee, the, 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 I looked on Shane Bacon, you sent me to Shane's Twitter and he had something from PGA tour live. And I actually think that looking at that, from behind now when you're behind you don't know if that camera's a little bit left or a little right. bit right um and so i would think with a right-handed player it probably was a little bit to the right the camera and so that would make the ball look like it's starting more left if the camera was a little bit to the right um so anyway um but looking at that, to me, it looked like it started left of where Hovland said he thought he saw it start. To, it almost looked to me like he dropped it in the right spot, even though he didn't think it was the right spot. To me, it looked like it was in the right spot, which was back 40 or 50 yards from where he thought it should be, because I think where Damon was pointing was more like 120 yards, because that's right where that pond kind of, you know, the, the edge of the pond. It would be 120, 130 yards. So I think he was talking another 60 and Hovland too, back further. And so I actually think that maybe where he dropped it might have been the right spot, but it certainly was not where Berger thought it should be. And, and honestly, it wasn't where Hovland or Damon thought it was going to be. So I don't know where you thought um, it went in, but, um, you know, Berger moves it left to right. But to me, it wasn't a it wasn't a hard left to right. It was something that kind of started and, and it kind of fell. So I think it was it was further back than where where Daniel thought it was. Did this get blown up because they're playing for the money they're playing for this week and in the in the, the extra FedEx Cup points? I mean, or is this the the, the first round at uh, I don't know? Let's just pick another tournament that has water or whatever, and we're not. It's the first round, and we're not overly concerned, but. Berger's in contention, Hovland's in contention, and Hovland's, you know, having some hiccups coming down the stretch. Damon's playing like shit today. Um, I mean, is it is that something? Is this something? I guess is this something that will fuel over down the road? That that are these guys going to be able to let this thing go and and move on? I mean, because you know that he made six, fine, get it. He could have made five. I don't know. I mean, hundred thousand dollars to that guy. I don't know. You know. 40 FedEx Cup points. I mean, was it the situation or, or, or do you think this is, you think what happened today, we're all done hearing about? I don't think that at that point that anybody's thinking about as they're walking down 16, I don't think anybody's thinking about it's $100,000 or it's 40 more FedEx points. I think they're all just trying to to, to still make birdies and, and do what they're supposed to do and whether Damon is playing poorly or, or well, um, there's a lot that can happen on 16 and 17. You can have a three shot, you know, you can have three shots go the right way in a hurry. So I think that it's just Victor and Joel being pretty adamant about where they thought this ball went as well as Daniel, you know, he thought he thought it was up there. Um, Victor and Joel have an obligation to protect the field. 
And Correct. so I think that that was what they were doing. I think they were trying to protect the field, um, meaning that your golf's a game of honor. We all, in, in some ways, we 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 rule ourselves. But in a situation where you aren't quite thinking that it's the right thing in a tournament, you're supposed to protect the field. And um, you know, I've done that in, in a couple in a couple occasions when I used to play. Um, I thought I I made a couple. You know, I did a couple things that I thought were right with regard to the tournament in general. Um, with playing partners. And so um, you do that. And so when you have three world-class players and there's a difference in opinion, then yeah, it, it's, it can get a little, you know, I wouldn't say that it was heated, um, but, but, you know, certainly Berger was not agreeing with the other two and the other two weren't agreeing with him. But I think that after the fact, um, you know, they'll all look at these different, you know, they'll look at the shot, all three of them will look at the shot and, and, you know, they, I think everything's fine. And, and if it's not fine, it doesn't really matter. They're not buddies, you know, they're competitors. So, um, you know, if they carry it, you know, if it carries on, it carries on. If it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't think it matters. Jay Monahan came out this week and said he wants to talk to Phil. Uh, before Phil returns to the tour, either tour, Phil hasn't reached out at all. I made a comment a couple weeks ago on this show, in my personal opinion, I think he's suspended. Monahan wouldn't, the question was asked him, but he, uh, he wouldn't answer the question. Um, do they have to have a talk before he comes back to the PGA Tour, you think, in your opinion? If they are, if he's suspended... And there are some some people that, you know, I didn't talk to a lot of people and just ask them, do you think Phil's suspended or not? But there, you know, there were some people that said they wouldn't be surprised if he was based on, you know, kind of the 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 comments he made and the actions that he's made over the last year with regards to world tour. Um, but do they have to have a conversation? No. If he's serving a suspension and that suspension is five or six events and that's, he can, you know, he could serve his five or six events and come back and play and never talk to Jay Monahan again. Do you, so Rory, Rory came out just during the same day, the same Wednesday press conferences and said he thinks that everybody should know who are, who is suspended if they are suspended. And I, I agree with him. I, I know that the PGA Tour for so many years, whether it's fines or suspensions, doesn't let the general public media or whatever know. I think it's kind of an unwritten rule. But you were, if you said you were talking to some players out there this week, and I'm not saying so much your guys, but the, the chatter or the feedback that you heard, do you, do you agree with that? That, 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 that me as a most consistent podcast host or a casual golf fan – do you think it's it that we should know that this this person's suspended? Because you look at all the other sports and people are suspended, and you hear about it all the time. Yeah, and and I I would agree. I I think I don't know why the PGA Tour has taken this approach that they don't want anybody to know um, what's going on. In some ways, um, 
you just would rather be just upfront and honest and say, hey, this guy's out for five events or this guy's out for 10 events and this is why. And, um, and, and then it's just, it's done. Um, but the PGA Tour does it differently. And, and um, uh, yeah, to me, I'd love to, you know, just like I say, be upfront, be honest. Let's, you know, let's figure it out and, and go. And then and, and to backtrack, if, if Phil so chooses, whether he's suspended or not, if he chooses to get on the phone or get on the plane and go talk to or go see Jay Monahan, I think that would be good. I would prefer that they did it face to face. I think that would be a better way to do it. But um, you know, like I said, he doesn't have to. But I think it would go a, a ways to to go ahead and do so. And from a PR standpoint, it might make it easier for Phil to actually come back if he did that, because I think then you get the picture or you get the comments from Jay Monahan that, hey, you know what, we had a productive talk. I, I understand some things that he's concerned about and we're gonna move forward. Um, I would think from Phil's standpoint and from Phil's camp, that would make sense. But, you know, it's, 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 it, it, and certainly Jay's, you know, he's put the, the the feeler out there. Hey, you know, I'd welcome a chat with Phil. So it's in Phil's court. So it's kind of up to him what he does. And and so we'll, we'll find out. I'm sure we'll find out soon enough when he's going to play again and, and if he's going to have a conversation with the commissioner. But, uh, you know, my recommendation would be let's, let's, you know, if I was Steve Loy, I think this would be, what I would recommend is that let's let's do this and, and let's try to clear the air and then and then move forward and and kind of like Rory also said you know everybody deserves a second chance although Rory was critical of Phil initially um, he said mm -hmm. it was when was it early this week or at the end of last week maybe at Bay Hill that you know everybody deserves a second chance so there's there's that feeling from him at least that you know let's try to get this thing moving phil's been for the most part good for the game i think the game has been good to phil so you know let's not um tarnish his his name too much further he does play augusta right well you would think you would think he would um but but you know again this is something um, you know, that is not a PGA Tour run event. It's part of the PGA Tour, right. but, the, but the membership at Augusta National sends out their invitations. So, um, you know, that would be one where, irregardless of any kind of action by the PGA Tour, he should have the opportunity to play as long as the membership, um, the committee at Augusta National feels like that, you know, we want to give him an invitation, which they already have as a past champion. Um, I'm sure they've sent him his invitation. I guess they could always take it back if they felt real strongly about what he said, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. So Kevin Kisner, who had a great tournament this week, um, his caddy went down on the sixth hole today and his coach was in the stands, kind of like, you know, you would be if Merritt was playing or O'Hare or whoever it might be. And he had to come out and caddy the last 13 holes. Does the caddy get the full 7% or 10% or whatever? Or are you as a coach, are you asking for a little bit of something, something because you had to go out and caddy for 13 holes? 
Nope, I'm not asking for a thing. I'm sure his coach is not asking for a thing. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things that happens. I've I've jumped in twice. Once in a practice round, I had to jump in for Peter Malnati's caddy. His uh, we were at um, at Muirfield Village. It's uh, for the workday. Remember when they played the workday and then the yeah then uh, yeah. the you know the memorial two weeks in a row and it was a practice round and and uh, Muirfield Village is is a is a loop so you play the front and you go out and you come back and then the back nine you go out and then you come back. Well, we were on the back nine and we were out. We were far away and um malnati's caddy's back locked up he's had some back issues and he literally couldn't move had to get a cart to uh to bring him in and so i lugged the bag for uh for the last four or five holes in the practice round and then um there was a time here at uh, tpc scottsdale where troy was playing and I think there must have been some kind of a delay and you know it was probably a year there was frost delays and um, which we'll get here sometimes and uh, his caddy at the time had a flight to Pebble Beach um, and so it was going to be a little bit tight and so um, he kind of on the last hole he and we already had this planned he okay took the bag up to the green on nine. Troy was finishing on nine. He took off. And um, and so then I came out and I just stood by the bag. Troy, you know, putted and whatever. And then I got the stuff and, and we walked into the clubhouse. So it happens. I certainly didn't have to do it for 13 holes, but stuff happens. But uh, it was interesting. I talked to Kisner on the putting green um, Saturday. He was warming up, putting next to, uh, to Troy. And... Um, I don't know Kisner very well, but I know he's a big, you know, big Georgia football fan. So I said, hey, um, you know, that quarterback or cornerback Ringo. And he like, yeah, Keely Ringo. And I said, well, Keely played um, high school football with my son, Matthew. And so we talked a little bit about that. And um, and, uh, you know, that that's always a, a good way to talk to Kevin Kisner. You talk about his Bulldogs or, or you know, then then he's then he's all he's he's all set. So. That's that's the way to approach a conversation with Kevin Kisner. Talk about Georgia football. So, <clears throat> Ryan Davis, our friend from Tucson, um, called me today because he wanted me to mention this. And this is so we're going to go back to gambling. We're going to start to before we get to who you got, which is is becoming a nightmare for me and you. Um, he had this bet on Friday, and I want you to think about this for a second. It was a heads-up match on Friday between two players, Siwoo Kim versus Justin Rose, just whoever beat whoever that particular day. Okay. Justin Rose went out and shot seven over par, 79 for the second round. Siwoo Kim came to the ninth hole, his final hole of the day during round two, three over par for the day, but I think like eight over par for the tournament, and they blew the horn. Okay. Siwoo oh, Kim. No. Oh, no. Yes. Siwoo Kim withdraws and does uh -oh. not come back to play his final hole. And all Ryan, our friend Ryan Davis, needed was for Siwoo Kim to make nine or less to win the bet. But Siwoo withdrew, withdrew, so he lost his bet. That is a bad beat. That is a bad beat. 
All right, it's time for our great segment sponsored by our friends at Burrito Express, your local burrito joint of who you got. And this has become bad. I mean, this has become really bad. It's become so bad that, Dolby, you got two arrows down because we weren't on last week, but the week before at Bay Hill, uh, Schubert came out firing with Terrell Hatton, who finished sixth. I had Keith Mitchell, who finished 61st. I'll never take another guy that wears a visor again. So Hank Labodia, uh, you're you're fine. And you had Paul Casey. You uh, you were a week early on Paul Casey. I was. Who finished uh, 72nd in the uh, in the tournament. Uh, they all made the cut, but uh, Hatton with a second place finish. Schubert got three points. I got two. You got one. So here's the new standings right here. Shu, it's your pick for this week at Valspar. Congratulations on your now trending upward. So I don't want to hear it from you anymore. Who you got? Well, that's why we took off last week, right, guys? Because I won two in a row. You guys couldn't allow me to try to make it three in a row, three consecutive uh-huh. weeks. That's why we had to take a week off. I mean, I made a big I, – I was hooting and hollering last show because I was like, I want some respect. And then I went out and won, and then we took a week off. It's okay. I see how it is. Uh, we are going to go with a guy who's won this tournament before, a guy who played no. well in the first two rounds this past weekend. Give me Sam Burns. For the Valspar this weekend. Okay. Sam Burns. You know what? Yeah, I had money on Sam Burns this week. Didn't work out very well. All right. I've decided since I saw something the other day at the last minute, somebody got in the field, that I'm going to go completely off the wall here. And I know for a fact that Dalby will not be rooting against my guy. So I'm going to take this early in the season. Give me Sean O'Hare who got a sponsor's exemption this week in Valspar. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. The funny thing about that is I checked the field um, on Friday because I had time because I was sitting in the hotel room by myself. Um, I checked yeah. the field at 5, 5.15 p.m. because they come out at 5, and I'm scrolling through it, and I see Sean's name. And I call him. I'm like, you're in. And he's like, what? And he said, I'm not. And I said, He's like, did I get an exemption? He's and, and and so he checks, and I'm starting to look at it, and I see his name next to Phil Mickelson's, and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Phil's playing, and I look up, and Mickelson's not playing. It was last year's field, so I kind of made him happy, made him sad, kind of a thing, and he was supposed to be heading to the Corn Ferry event in um, in Louisiana, I think, this week. Correct. And, um, yep. I guess about an hour after we hung up, um, he got a call from the tournament director, and they gave him gave him an exemption. So it, it all worked out. So he is in the field this week. Um, you know, you you want a good ball striker at um, at the Copperhead at Innisbrook. God, I don't know if I want to do this, but I'm going to. So do it. This guy, this last few days. Uh, killed it ball striking wise. I think he gained like 14 shots over the field through the course of the week. Uh, I'm going to use it early, earlier than I anticipated, but this is a golf course where you want to strike it well. So I'm going to take shoes guy. I'm going to take, oh, don't Victor do it. Don't, don't, oh my God. No, don't do it. Don't do it. You got to save these yep. big guns I'm, for the big events. Trust I'm me. I did doing it. Dustin I'm Johnson. taking Victor Hovland uh, this week and I, cause I got to get this thing rolling. So we'll, we'll see if his ball striking continues, but this is a golf course, um, where you want to hit it good. And the weather's supposed to be a little rainy on Wednesday and then it's clearing up light winds. Um, 
Victor. All right, we're going to do it. All right, so Burns, O'Hare, and Hovland. Dalby, anything before we uh, end podcast 25? Nah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good with podcast 25. All right, Schubert, thank you. Sean Crespin, as always, thank you. Dalby, 25's in the books. You know what? We might do 26 ne- next week. We might not. We'll see you soon. Thanks for watching our podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Hit them straight, everybody.